conspiracy, what do you believe? conspiracies what do you believe we hope you're enjoying our podcast and hope we're getting better episode to episode with that all just being said this is episode number 10 solar warden there are programs that do not exist in the public they are known as deep black programs or secret access programs they are so secret that they do not have to report to congress there are alien theorists who believe there is an existence of a one world government and there is a secret space armada. They monitor alien life in our solar system and protect the Earth from space dangers. Solar Warden is a secret space program funded by a secret black budget. What is a secret black budget? It is a government budget issued for secret and classified operations of a nation. An example would be the National Intelligence Program, CIA, NSA, the National Security Agency, the National Reconnaissance Office, National Geospatial Intelligence Program, General Defense Intelligence Program. Five missions objectives, warning U.S. leaders about critical events, they get $20.1 billion. Combating terrorism, $17.7 billion. Stopping the spread of illicit weapons, $6.7 billion. Conducting cyber operations, $4.3 billion. Defending against espionage, $3.8 billion. All in all, there's roughly 107,000 plus employees. But this budget could be different now. Oh, I'm sure it changes, you know, from day to day. You know, they pass their own little bills or whatever. And just flux, fluctuate the I think every budget. year it goes up. Well, I'm sure taking money for all that stuff, which, you know, some of the stuff is, I can see, okay, good anti-terrorism like and stuff, but they still need to take, if, if they're just trying to stop the stuff and let the rest of us go, I mean, what's the point? This would still not be enough to start and maintain the fleet. So is there a deep black budget? Well, people believe there's truth to this. They say it points towards scientists, government officials, military personnel that came forward with evidence that solar warning does exist. So they had people that were supposed to keep this a secret come forward and say, yeah, it does exist. I mean, but here, here's something, though, that I kind of personally believe. It seems like whistleblowers are becoming more popular now. Well, the and- Internet's more well, not only that, is, but, but no, what I'm getting at is, do you think the government is putting out the whistleblowers themselves to keep their agenda, what they really want hidden, and we're going to be looking the other way at this, what this whistleblower is saying? That's why I'm just like, uh, the, the disinformation. It could be, don't know. Maybe I mean, that you got something telling the truth and others aren't. And then you have to decide. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're here trying to help people do themselves. But my point is, like, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, if you blew somebody, you know, was a whistleblower, you didn't believe them because that was it. But now it just seems like it's becoming an everyday thing. Somebody every every other day is blowing the whistle about something now. And now how do we know what to believe and what not to believe? Dr. Edgar Mitchell, he was the sixth astronaut to walk on the moon supposedly said in the last 60 years or so that there have been some back engineering 
creating certain equipment, but nothing like the alien visitors had. So we're kind of like, kind of like saying that, yeah, we're doing this stuff, but it's not as advanced as the aliens. Yeah, well, the back engineering, that goes back to Roswell, too, so, I mean. Yeah. So we, if, if, if it is all true, we've already known that they have been back engineering a lot of the stuff that was found. Dr. Farouk Eli Elbeo, NASA scientist, said that every discovery has not been announced, which I can see that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you ain't going to show your whole hand of what you got right away until you know exactly what you're dealing with or how to replicate it. Ben Rich, second director of Lockheed Skunk Works, said that they have things in outer space we would not believe. There are technologies locked up in black projects said that they have the know-how to send E.T. home. And Major Robert White said that there were things out there. When he was on a flight, he saw some type of gray ship. So would this make you believe in Solar War? Or just aliens? I mean, to me, it just... Seems like it's just more like there's alien races that's been here on Earth and still out there and stuff that we have that was that was taught to us by them and that there's plenty more stuff out there. It doesn't really I don't see the connection that there's a whole quote unquote nation of planets that have life forms on it and that they work together or against each other or however it's supposed to go. Okay, but since we're here, don't you think there's life? I've always believed that, but I'm like 50-50 and all that. I'm on all this, everything, I'm 50-50. Like, yeah, I, I have an open mind that the possibility is there, but without hard evidence, it's still like, yeah, it's questionable. Alright. William Hopkins, he's a retired aerospace engineer. He was supposed to have said that there's a secret space operation funded by a black budget. Well, we've already talked yes. about the black budget. Thousands have joined the Space Navy. Supposedly, they signed up for 20 years. They go through a lot of examination and information. Many were sent to the moon. After they go through everything they have to go to, they are sent to the moon, then onto Mars for a short period of time. And then after that, they are assigned to a base. And after working on the base for a while, they are assigned to a naval cruiser or an attack vehicle or a spacecraft carrier or other battle groups. Now that just sounds like Star Wars. It, it does, I mean, but are you expecting, if this is true, anything to be simple? Uh, I mean... It, but it's funny that it kind of seems like Star Wars. I mean, it does. Or Star Trek. Star Trek's what I'm trying to But then again, I mean, you can't expect a simple answer. Nothing in life really has a simple answer I mean you can you can give a simple answer about something but deep down there's so much more to everything well many people have obtained classified information that does indicate programs like solar warning exist so I don't know what to say about that I mean it's just people saying claiming that it does exist I mean whether they have the proof or not I mean but even if they have the proof, is everybody going to believe it? Yeah, because what they think is the proof could be something somebody stuck out there as proof. 
Okay, you take you He's take doctor. Yeah. Well, you not. take two people and you show them the same thing. One person will believe it. One person won't believe it. So but you could tell somebody that something to somebody, and then it'll get on down the line, and it'll be a whole so different it, thing than what you started out saying. That's why you want written proof or hard evidence like videos or I mean I know you can forge all that but at least the information will be the same I mean everybody will will uh, perceive it differently but ultimately it will be showing the same thing one whistleblower was Gary McKinnon he was a British systems administrator and in 2001 he hacked into 97 US military and NASA computers Looking for top secret information on free energy. Now, see, I've heard free energy before. But he found something entirely different. What he found was a list of officers' names under non-terrestrial officers, a list of ship names, and a list of fleet-to-fleet transfers. Since he couldn't find any information on these officers, he deduced that they were not of this world. See, the, so what if I, it's non-terrestrial, that means it's not probably alien. Here. Earth. Terrestrial is Earth. Okay, so non-terrestrial is everywhere. But my thing about that is, he says that he couldn't find information on them, so he thinks they're aliens. What if they're just code names or fake names given to the people? Yes, to... that's what people assume. Something. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, the first thing I would say is, if, these, if I found these names and they didn't, these people didn't exist. My first thought isn't going to be, oh, they're aliens. Or this could be it's like, got, okay, they're... somebody stuck that in there. Well, not that. It's when you're. In the military, and you're going undercover. You're not using your real name, real friend. You're giving no. a fake name, right. fake everything. So that's why I would take this list as is. These were code the people's code names, and then there's some other. There would be some other file that links that code name to the real person, so that way they know who they're talking about. Where we're not. I can understand that if depending on everything else that he's seen when it was talking about other planets and stuff, and then they had these list names. All right, then I'd be like a little bit. Maybe these are alien names, but you don't know. Another reason to lean towards believing in McKinnon was caught in 2002 when he was trying to download an image of a UFO. He could get 70 years in prison and billions of dollars in fines. He was charged by the Bush Justice Department and he committed the biggest hack to was unrecognizable when her ship was searched. They found two sheets, small water supply and some strange food. The locals didn't know what to do with her, so they put her back on her ship and sent her away. She was seen landing on the shores a number of times. The writing on the ship was a language, was not a language from anywhere in the world. She looked human, so the people thought she was from the wrong dimension. So, was she just on like a, a ship that just crossed some kind of a just parallel dimension and ended up somewhere else? And why would she be alone if she was on the ship? Was there other people and they died, or, or what? Just didn't make it through the portal? Or was... It's hard to tell. It is. Okay, then we go to Skinwalker Ranch. It is, it is said to have multiple portals to another dimension. The people who have spent the night there have seen strange things that cannot be explained. In the book, Hunter the Skinwalker, Hunter saw, through binoculars, an interdimensional tunnel open up. After it opened, he saw a large, faceless creature crawl through the tunnel, then went into the woods. The hunters immediately left the area. Other sightings include animals that didn't exist, non-human, humanly fast people, and UFOs. Now, we are on to Cabin in Peru. 
Markawasi Stone Forest. It is known as a doorway to another dimension. Stone formations there resemble human faces and religious symbols. Travelers who went there were never seen again. Dr. Raul Centino treated a woman who decided to go to the forest with some friends, even though they were warned about the disappearances. They saw a strange cabin in the middle of the stone forest. They heard people inside having a party. They looked in a window and saw that the people were dressed in 17th century clothes. The woman, tr woman tried to enter the cabin. She was halfway in when her friends pulled her out. She didn't realize she was paralyzed on the side that was in the cabin. Dr. Centino diagnosed her with hemiplegia, meaning paralysis, on one side of the body. He believes she may have altered her nerve system when she went into the cabin. So it sounds like that cabin is a portal to another dimension or time traveling. Yeah, and if you go halfway in, then your body's going to be screwed up. So what happens if you go all the way in? Are you screwed you up on the other out. side? Well, you figure if you go all the way in, you're okay, but then you can't come back. So if you go in, and you're going to be most likely what it looked like in the 17th century clothing. You're going to be back in the 1600s. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah. About the hotel, I can't think of the name. The Shining. You remember at the end of it, he was in the picture? Yeah. Or what about uh, 112263 by Stephen King, where the guy goes back in time through that door in the diner to save uh, Kennedy? Yeah, it's just it's strange. Lesbia in the 20th century. In 1905, a young man speaking in an unknown language was caught stealing a loaf of bread in Paris. After a long interrogation, the man communicated he was from Lisbia. They thought he meant Lisbon and brought in a Portugal translator. But they found he was not from Lisbon and didn't speak Portuguese. After some more questions, he was released, never to be seen again. Why would you leave, release somebody that needed help? Because he didn't want to help him himself. Uh, okay. Next, we go with Princess Caribou. This is one where the person was exposed as an imposter. Mary Baker was pretending to be Princess Caribou from an island kingdom far, far away. Baker was born in 1792 in Witheridge, Devonshire, in England. The story goes that on April 3, 1878, 1817, a cobbler in came upon a confused young woman who was wearing unusual clothes. She was speaking in a language no one understood. The cobbler's wife took her to the overseer of the poor. From there, she was taken to the magistrate. Samuel Worrell was the magistrate. He, along with his wife, could not understand the strange person, but they discovered she was called Caribou and she was interested in Chinese imagery. They took her to the local inn when she saw a drawing of a pineapple and called it Nana's. That meant pineapple in Indonesian language. She was determined on sleeping on the floor. The magistrate resolved she was a beggar and sent her to Bristol and tried for vagrancy. While she was in prison, a Portuguese sailor said he spoke her language and translated for her. He said she was Princess Caribou from the island of Javasu in the Indian Ocean. She was captured by pirates, but she jumped overboard in Bristol Channel and swam to shore. Upon learning she was a princess, the royals took her in. She represented royalty and was a favorite of the local VIPs. Princess Caribou had many talents. She fenced, could use a bow and arrow, swam naked, 
She also prayed to a god, Allah Tala. She wore exotic clothes. She had her portrait painted and it appeared in newspapers. Dr. Wilkinson said she was authentic. He identified her language and said the marks on the back of her head were from oriental surgeons. She enjoyed her newfound fame. A boarding housekeeper recognized her from the newspapers and contacted the people she was staying with and told them the truth. The truth was she was Mary Wilcox. She was a cobbler's daughter and had, a serv had been a servant girl in England. She became homeless so she invented a language from gypsy and imaginary words. She created a character in that character's story. Mrs. Worrell felt sorry for her and sent her to Philadelphia. When she got to America, she still continued as Princess Caribou. She appeared on stage at Washington Hall with no success. She re later returned to England and appeared on stage as Princess Caribou, and she was not successful there either. In 1828, she was living as a widow going by the name of Mary Burgess, a name of one of her cousins. She married Richard Baker in 1828, and a year later she gave birth to a daughter, Mary Ann. In 1839, she was selling leeches to the medical community. Wow. So, makes you wonder how many of how many other people do that? Do that and been caught or has done well, that and hasn't been caught? Where like back then, it would have been easy to get away with it. Yeah, because you know there was no, no internet, internet to no phones, check no backgrounds and right. Wow. So, what do you believe is the truth, and what is an urban legend? The initiates practice self-denial and moral questioning. Virtuals of the initiates or members are abstinence, continence, renun renunciation, and self-control. Continence. Okay. Each temple and community was presided over by one or more fathers. They were not really professional priests. They were active members of the secular world, too. That aren't priests. Well, priests are supposed Mostly. to be more. They, they don't uh, do material world stuff. It, everything they do is about the church or supposed to be. Mithraism supported the emperor, so uh, it was based on mutual interest, intimacy, and friendship. So the emperors took Mithras as their god. Yeah, basically. Ideas of the world and man's destiny are similar to Mithraism and Christianity. Existence of a heaven with beautiful people in the sky and a hell with demons in deep earth. Both had a flood at the beginning of history. Both believed in the immortality of the soul, the last judgment, the resurrection of the dead, a great dangerous fire of the universe, ideas of meditation, atonement, a savior who is human and a god, a doctrine of a future life, Eucharist, baptism, and the last supper are the hierarchy Mithras companions or disciples formed a church. More on this later. In the Roman catacombs, a relic is preserved of Mithraic worship. There's a picture of Mithras as a baby sitting on his virgin mother's lap with magi kneeling in front of them worshiping and offering him gifts. Sounds like Jesus. <clears throat> Mithras was buried in a tomb and rose after three days. They celebrated his resurrection every year. His resurrection festival is on the day that became Easter. Sunday was Mithras Day, the Lord's Day, just like Christianity. So, did, Brit, 
Yeah. They come first, or did Christianity come first, and somebody just threw this I in there trying to obscure things? Francis Legg wrote Forerunners and Rivals in Christianity. Mithras became known as the Sun God. Vedic Mitra was originally the sun itself. Votive inscriptions by Mithras worshippers to the unconquered sun Mithras, unconquered sun God. This provides he was the sun god in Roman times. Roman legionnaires called him the divine sun, the unconquered sun. Mithras was said to have been mighty in strength, the greatest king of the gods, the sun, lord of heaven and earth, god of gods, and the mediator between heaven and earth. Just like Jesus. Yep. Mithras is shown as a sun disc in a chariot pulled by white horses. That's similar to Jesus' return in Revelation 6, 2 and 19:11. Mithras was a favorite god of Asia Minor. Mithraism was spread by soldiers and Syrian merchants who spread it to cities like Alexandria, Rome, and Carthage. From what has been discovered from the sites, Roman Mithraism took form between 80 and 120 CE. It as in full swing in the 2nd and 3rd centuries. It died out around the late 4th and early 5th centuries. In the 5th century, Emperor Julian switched from Christianity to Mithraism and brought it to Constantinople. Constantinople. I always, I, I always mess that up. Just like I probably mess everything else up. Plutarch, a Greed, Greek biographer and essayist, said Mithraism continues to the present the secret rites of the Sicilian pirates. So does it mean to his present time or to our time? I'm unsure about that. Porphyry, a philosopher, wrote that Roman Mithraism got its start in Persian Mithraism. Zoroastrianism and an Armenian religion that dates back before the Common Era. So it sounds like Mithraism came, was a combination of all those others. It was like 